You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, good morning, good morning. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, It is great to be back with all of you. Excuse me. I'm still getting over COVID. We had COVID this Christmas, and... Uh, As you can tell, instead of my normal nasally voice, now I have a gravelly nasally voice. So uh, I apologize if I have to take a break for a drink and whatever. Uh, On the plus side, I had shared with First Hour, I have gained some maturity over the past couple weeks because now when I go through the drive-thru, they say, that'll be $1.09, ma'am. And so so that's been good. Uh, I've gained some respect, apparently, at the drive-thru. With my new voice. Um, we are going to be passing out communion. They're going to be passing out to you right now. And I want to encourage you to grab communion, but hold on to it, okay? Do not take communion yet. This is actually our focus this morning is going to be on communion. And I want to have this in everyone's hand to just hold on to it. Don't put it on the ground, put it aside. Keep it in your hand. For this next uh, 20 minutes, this is what we're going to reflect on. This and what it represents, that this is uh, Jesus' body, this is his blood, poured out for us, this idea of remembrance. The idea of remembering, of remembrance is a, a valuable thing, right? Uh, our nation does it. We, we do it every year, multiple times throughout the year. We have holidays. One in particular in 1776, July 4th, the Second Continental Congress unanimously adopted the Declaration of Independence, became our nation's birthday, and we celebrate it every year with fireworks and cookouts and lots of good stuff, right? Nothing better to celebrate a birthday than to explode stuff. And so we do that every year in remembrance of our Independence Day. I didn't realize this, but something our nation does is in remembrance of an individual person, there's only three people that our nation has set aside a national day to acknowledge. Uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln are two of those, and they've combined those to be President's Day. And we, we look at those were national holidays for their birthdays, and we combine them to be President's Day. And then the third is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Martin Luther King Jr., as you guys know, was a great uh, figure that led and helped lead our change in our, in our country, uh, was also persecuted. He was arrested over 30 times. I, saw, I was reading one time, it was just for driving five miles over the speed limit. He was, uh, people attacked him and he eventually was assassinated, but the impact he made on our nation was so great that in 1983, Ronald Reagan made, national, made Martin Luther King Day, his birthday, uh, a national holiday. So we celebrate it on the third Monday of the month. And this is in remembrance of what he did, of the impact he made, of, of the impact he made on our nation and on our people is this idea of remembering. These are things that our nation does in remembrance, but we also do things personally, right? You have a birthday, and whenever someone in your family's birthday comes up, you celebrate to remember that day they were born. Or perhaps if you're married, you have an anniversary. Uh, May, 21st, uh, May 27th, 2001 was our anniversary. Greatest day of my life. 
Sarah and I got married, and so every year we celebrate since. This, I think, is a picture of our uh, most recent trip to Gatlinburg to celebrate our anniversary in remembrance of that day. This is the idea. This is not something new. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. It's not something new and unique that we do. It's actually something that we even see throughout the Scripture. There's times and time again throughout the Old Testament where God wants us to remember the moments where God and man met. One example of such is in Genesis 9, you're familiar with. It says, And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and earth. <clears throat> Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and the living creatures and every kind on earth. This idea we looked at a couple months ago when we, when we stepped into the book of Revelation, chapter 5, this, there's an image in Revelation 5 that talks about the rainbow surrounds the throne. This is God's throne in heaven. There's a rainbow around it. And so in an, op in an opportunity to make a covenant with us, to give us a reminder, he gives us a glimpse of heaven. What a beautiful thought. This is in remembrance of this covenant that he has with us, that he gives us this moment, this glimpse of heaven. We also have other times in the Bible. There's commands. Exodus 20, verse 8, it says, God tells them, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is a command from God to the people that you need to set aside a day to spend with me, to set it aside, to keep it holy. Let, let a day be that we remember. Remember to do this, that we can spend together, God and man. There's also moments that we see where, where men would come and, and they would gather things and they would remember the time where God provided for them. In Joshua chapter 4, the, the people were able to go across the Jordan River on dry land. And so Joshua gives this command. He says, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the, from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones were to be a memorial for the people of Israel forever. So one from each tribe took a stone and made an altar, that they would remember this. That when the kids would come and see this, this pile of rocks and say, what is that for? That they would remember the time that God provided. And so this idea of remembrance is all throughout Scripture. Whether it's from a sign from God for us, a rainbow, or a day that he wants us to spend with him, or something man has made to remember this moment between God and man. This is the communion you're holding. This idea of remembering something special. This idea of remembering a moment where God and man came together through the death of Jesus Christ. Because of that, we are set free. Because of that, our sins are forgiven. Because of that, we have eternity in heaven. And this is what this is to remind us of. This moment between us and God. 
There's a story in John chapter 6, if, if you might be familiar with it, when Jesus feeds the 5,000. There's 5,000 men, and then there's women and children with him, so they believe it's up to 15,000 people, and this crowd has been traveling with Jesus. And they've made it to an area that there's no food, and it's dinner time, and questions are going, how are we going to eat? How are we going to be fed? Jesus calls the disciples and says, see what you can find, and they find a boy's small lunch of some fish and bread. God, Jesus takes that moment, and he breaks the bread and multiplies it. And he breaks the fish and spreads it out. And they put everyone in groups of hundreds, and, they were, and the disciples go and feed. And they not only feed everybody, but they come back with basketfuls of bread. It's a beautiful story. If you haven't read it, <coughs> dive into it sometime. But for our purpose, we're looking at the next day. There's still this crowd around them. And this crowd's been following Jesus, and they've been wanting to see his miracles. They've been wanting to learn his teaching. They're also just trying to see what he's up to. And they're asking, hey, are, it's lunchtime. Are we going to eat again? wonder if Jesus is going to provide another meal. And the you know, conversation transitions. That Jesus is no longer just looking at the physical bread that they need, but the spiritual bread that they need. And so he gets to verse 33. It says, for the bread of God, Jesus says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There's two things there. Jesus is the spiritual bread of God, that he has come down from heaven. That there's this idea that Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus came, God sent Jesus to be the bread for us, and that he is that bread. The passage continues, verse 47, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Yet they died, but here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the world. They've been looking and they've been following Jesus and they're looking for physical bread to be able to survive on. And he says, there's something so much more. There's spiritual bread. Obviously, as you know, we, we need to eat, right? That's what they were looking for, the, the physical bread. And if we don't, our bodies will deteriorate. When, when I had COVID, I, I got so sick that I lost 17 pounds, which was quite awesome. Uh, I don't like to lose things, so I found four of them back already. But I, and I'm, I'll be pursuing the other 13 here soon over the next couple of weeks. But, but my body just kind of shut down, right? And you lose this. It's the same with our spiritual walk. This is why we take communion often. It's to be a reminder of the spiritual walk that we continue need to be fed by Jesus to draw closer to him, to do this in remembrance of him. So Jesus calls himself the bread of life and he shared this with the disciples. Now let's step forward to the Last Supper. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all share this story that the, the night before Jesus was betrayed, that they're at the Last Supper, and this was Passover, but he takes the symbolism of Passover, and he, he makes it unique. He makes it special for Jesus. 
It says in Luke 22, he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's significant. Because you think about it, he's having this meal and he's here with the disciples and, and he breaks the bread at a certain moment and he passes it out and, and says, do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance. That would imply that it's not just tonight's dinner. That we would do this again and again and again. Jesus already knew, he already foreshadowed that this would be, communion would be something unique, something special to constantly bring us closer to him, to remind us of that moment, of that evening, but of what was about to come, about his death on the cross, that his body would be spread out for us, that his blood would be poured out for us. Do this in remembrance of me. There's a similar passage about communion that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11 that I often read when, when we do communion. It says, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. With this communion time, what you're holding in your hand, it's an opportunity to look back. Do this in remembrance of me. To look back at what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. To look back and reflect that he died for our sins and rose again. But it's also an opportunity to look forward. In the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus tells them that I will not drink of this again until we do this together in the kingdom. That we can look forward to eternity with Jesus in heaven, praising him, rejoicing with him. That we get an opportunity to look back and look forward through this time of communion. Paul gives us some more guidance, some verses that we don't often look at, something that we need to take to heart when it comes to communion, that we don't take this lightly. Verse 27 says, So then, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. It's a pretty big statement, right? To be guilty of going against the Lord if you're doing this unworthy manner. And so what does that look like? I think that looks like, where's our focus? What is the purpose of this Lord's Supper? What is the purpose of communion? It's to remember Jesus and our redemption. So we don't neglect what the focus of this was, is that it's all about Jesus, all about him. Verse 28 says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. This verse, I think, had toyed with me for a long time as, a, as an adult because I would often take communion time and I would think of all the things that I've done wrong. Examine myself, oh, that would make me think uh, this week Sarah and I got in a fight. Oh, this week uh, I got angry when I was driving. Oh, this week and I think through the things that I'm doing wrong. I don't know, maybe you're there too. Maybe that's something that with communion time, it kind of just creeps in. And, and this time of communion wasn't a time for fellowship with God. This was a time of communion every week just became a time of guilt 
for me where the devil would just say, here's how you screwed up. Here's your shortcomings. Here's your mistakes. When it talks about examine ourselves, when it talks about an unworthy manner, I don't think it's about me focusing on me. It's about me focusing on Jesus. Because this time of communion is not about me. Because there is nothing that I could ever do to earn my way to heaven. There's nothing that I could pay. There's nothing that, there's not enough righteousness that I could have. It's all about what Jesus already did on the cross. And so when I was taking this communion time and focusing on my mistakes, focusing on my sins, I'm making the focus no longer on Jesus. The central point of communion, when he says, do this in remembrance of me, it's not saying do this and think about all your mistakes. Do this and think about all your guilt. Do this and think about you. Do this in remembrance of me. We often get lost in the focus of communion. This isn't about you. This isn't about me. This is about Jesus. This idea throughout the Bible that we see of these times of remembrance, the, the stones, the rainbow, the Sabbath, these are all moments where God came and met man. Communion is where God came and met man, where he saved mankind on the cross through his son's death. That if, if you don't believe this already, I want to encourage you, come meet us in the prayer room, come talk to me after, because this is no greater day than today than to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That at this time of communion that we would reflect on that he died on the cross, but that he rose again three days later. And because of that, sin is conquered, Satan is conquered, our eternity is secure, that we have salvation if we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you don't believe that already, please come talk to us. But if you do believe that, then that's the focus of this communion. So often we take this for granted that we just have communion every week and we don't stop and reflect, what does this, what does this mean? What are we looking at here? Corinthians eleven twenty six says, for as often as you eat, this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. There's many different church traditions about communion. Some take it once a year, some take it once a month. Here in the Christian church at, at Discovery, we take it every week. For it says, whenever you come together, you want to partake in this. And so some people say, ah, oh, but it loses its specialness by doing it every week. There's nothing that should be lost about the specialness of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. We should be able to celebrate that every week, every day, every hour, every minute. Because this is the greatest message of all of time, of all of history. So this is why we partake in communion. There's a story I had heard several years ago and it came across my way again this week and I wanted to share with you. There was an experiment by the Washington Post. Uh, they put on, their, there was a violinist and they had him go play in a subway, in the entrance of a subway uh, shelter. And at this time, he went and he played for about an hour. He played six different intricate pieces on the violin. And he set up his little, his, his violin and opened the case and put a couple of seed dollars in there and he began to play. And people walked by. 
It was the entrance to the subway. Everyone was busy. They're on, their, uh, on the mission. It was an early, cold morning, and, and they're, on, they're all in their process. And after about five minutes, one person stopped, hesitated, looked at him, and then kept on walking. They had this all on video as they're watching. Uh, and about 10 minutes in, one lady went by. She didn't stop at all, dropped a dollar in the, the violin box, and kept on going. Perhaps she appreciated the music. Maybe she just felt guilty. Who knows? About 15 minutes in, a child and his mom came, and the child stopped. And he was just fascinated, and he was watching. And the mom grabs his hand and yanks him, and, and he tries to make her stop and get her to watch, and she's busy. They got to catch the train. She pulls him along, and they keep on going. For an hour, a thousand, over a thousand people pass this violin player. A few put money in, and at the end of the time, he, he, at the end of his six songs, he gathered the money, and he had made $32. This violin player, his name is Joshua Bell. He's a world-class prodigy violin player. He's played all over the world. He's on many soundtracks of movies that, that you and I know. We've heard his performances in the backgrounds of the Gladiator movies and, and so forth. He is such a world-famous musician that he has made millions and millions of dollars, and the violin that he plays, the one that he took with him that day, is a $3.5 million Stradivarius violin. The night before this experiment, he was playing in Boston at a music hall, and people paid $100 a ticket just to hear him play these same songs. But the people missed it. It was such commonplace. They're in the middle of their normal routine. We're trying to get on the subway. We're trying to get to work, trying to get to school. We've got all this pressure. We've got things we're thinking about. I've heard musicians in the subway hall tons of times, and they missed something so special because it was routine. It's what I fear sometimes, that we might miss what is so special of this because we let it become routine. But imagine you're at that last supper and Jesus is there and he takes the bread and he breaks it and gives it to you. <clears throat> I'll admit, our communion does not taste good, right? And there's no secret. I'm not surprised if you are new here, get, get ready, all right? But imagine if Jesus took this bread and handed it to you, man, I would... I would savor every minute of this bread. And imagine if Jesus took the same juice and poured it out for me and said, this is my blood poured out for you. I would savor every last drop. I wouldn't miss this moment. And so today, I want to encourage us not to miss this moment you have. It's so easy, like those people in the subway that they just ignore because they're used to it and, and you miss the moment that's, ahead, that's before them. They miss the moment that there's a world-class violin player playing on a million-dollar violin that what people are paying hundreds of dollars to see. It's right there before them. What you have right here before you is a moment with God. As Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This idea of coming and remembering this moment when God met with mankind through the death of his son and the resurrection and the freedom of our sins. And so as I share that, 
This next minute, we're going to have a minute of just some music for you to spend time with God and then a a special song uh, about communion. But I want to ask you, this next minute, you have you and God. Ignore the person sitting next to you, the, the pressures of the world. Don't let Satan speak into you about the mistakes you've made. That's not the focus of communion. The focus of communion is do this in remembrance of me. Focus this moment on God. And I ask you, today, is there a greater moment than what we're about to be part of? Is there a greater moment in this whole day, whether later when you go to lunch and, and go do chores or watch football or whatever it might be, there's no greater moment than this moment we have to reflect on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. And if you put that in perspective, that's, I can't think of a better moment that I'm going to have today than this next moment. And then the reality is tomorrow we go to work, we go to school, go do whatever we're going to do. Is there a better moment tomorrow than this moment we're about to have right now? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is there a better moment this coming week than what we're about to have right now? Let's not miss this moment. Do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that this moment, it's a moment that we will meet you. God, that we will be able to reflect on who you are, the greatness of Jesus Christ who came and died and rose again, that his body was put out on that cross, that his blood was poured out for us, and that you rose again and conquered sin, you conquered Satan, you gave us salvation, eternity for those who believe. God, let this moment reflect that. Do this in remembrance of me. God, let us focus on you. What I believe would be the greatest moment of this week ahead. God, let us spend this moment with you. In your name.